What is the Podcast of Matrix? The Podcast of Matrix is your source for podcast media hosting. Get your entire podcast library hosted now at podcastermatrix.com. Shield. It's an organization that both exists and doesn't exist all at the same time. For those in the know, Shield, the Strategic Homeland Intervention, Enforcement and Logistics Division, is the counterterrorism and intelligence agency run by Director Nick Fury. Its global reach, with thousands of operatives with differing skill sets across the globe, continues to grow. Shield's activities have been documented for a long time, both in comic books and feature films. Those legendary tales now transfer to the smaller screen in a weekly series on ABC via Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the findings of a crack team of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. This is the detailed review of those chronicles. Set your life model decoy to take care of life's business for now. It's time for another episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast from Two Guys Talking. How does some, quote, stupid comic book show on Friday nights provide us with so much intrigue, questions, and touching moments, all on top of that expected action and suspense that often comes inside of the comic book genre? Not so strangely, we're going to tell you all about it over the course of this podcast. It's time to grab your large blue sword pack a duffel stuffed with tissues, and head towards the Yucatan because it's time for another episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. A complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. This time, Season 6, Episode 11, From the Ashes. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, some quick housekeeping. So much Comic-Con content. I had the pleasure of sitting in with you and Smurfy and Pistol via remote capture the other day. And I wanted to make sure that everybody checked out uh, essentially a sister podcast to this podcast, which is the My Big Fat Pull List podcast, which focuses way more on comic book content. But your most recent episode was stellar because you and Smurf and Pistol, you run through every single significant announcement that happened at the recent Comic-Con 2019, which details what I think are some of the most stupendous building blocks inside of future Marvel build-up, and I want everybody to listen to that episode. You can check that out over at mybigfatpulllistpodcast.com, or just follow the links inside the show notes section. It was stellar. First of all, thanks a lot for outing me. Now my secret identity is known to the yeah. world. Yeah, because the voice is so undistinct. <laughs> You in, never in, indistinct. You undistinct. never reveal a superhero podcaster's yep. identity. Hey, yes, I am by Mr. The way, X. Thanks and a by lot. By the way, Peter Parker, Spider Man. Welcome. <gasps> I Pardon never, me as I, I don't like green that. outfit and fishbowl. How about them apples? <laughs> you would look great wearing a fishbowl, Mike. Actually, I, I want you to do that next week when we podcast together. I, I, I want you to wear a fishbowl. I will do that. I can handle it. I that. thank you very much. I don't much. know that I'll get it off, but I can get it on. Right. Thank you very much for the plug for my big fat polis. Yes. Sure. Last weekend was huge. Yeah. We're San Diego Comic Con. It was oh, also yeah. the 50th anniversary of How? san diego comic-con I, and it didn't I was seem making, like it was like some kind of a big deal it wasn't made a big deal yeah, it I, was the 50th is i was making the art for the episode that we're referring to 
I, I, I went and I found the the Comic Con logo, which has not changed for a long, long, long right, time. Right. And I saw that the number fifty had been attached to it. And I asked you via instant messenger, I go, Hey man, <laughs> was it the fiftieth anniversary of Comic Con? Because I'm not kidding. Nobody mentioned that. Yeah. Nobody. Was nowhere. Had I not looked at the logo, I would not have known at all. Yeah. Sadly. Sadly. Anyway, I want you all to go and check out my big fat pull list. It's a great podcast that digs in deep, especially about comic book based content. If you are a comic book fan of any level of any kind, you will not be disappointed. There's a dude on there that's got a voice a lot like Nick. It's not (laughs) Nick, though. It's Mr. X. Anyway, check it out again. My big fat pull list podcast dot com. Anyway, Nick, there's so much to talk about inside this episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. Let's rise from the ashes. Sponsored by Acoustica's Mixed Craft Recording Software, Blogger's Bug, and the St. Charles Office Center. A nice front end rope-a-dope. This is fun at the front end. There's a series of movies that do something very much like this. And I think the one that I remember the most because it impacted me incredibly was the very first cinematic Tom Cruise version of the Mission Impossible series. Hmm. Okay. This is this front end of this episode reminded me very much of that where there's something else that's going on while you're watching, Mm -hmm. especially after what you had seen previously. Right. And there's just enough in front of the Mission Impossible movie to get a taste of what happened. And then something completely different happens. And then this entire world opens up. Right. And it it reminded me very much of that inside the front end of this episode. And I loved it. Well, you need something like that to grab you. Uh, well, I mean, not for this show. I mean, if you're watching this show, you don't need something to grab you mm-hmm. and pull you in. You're mm-hmm. already there mm-hmm. uh, for that first Mission Impossible movie for anybody who wasn't familiar for that with that old show you needed something similar oh, yeah. to what they did in the first 10 minutes of mm-hmm. that movie mm-hmm. to grab you and pull you along for the ride where this is concerned this is one of those things where I'd like to say I saw it coming I'd like to say that I I didn't and that was the thing that was so great about it the fact yeah. that you're like okay so she decided to give up her her hostages I mean, she's just She's just decided to walk around all corporeal and stuff. And then Mac does that switch yeah. from, hi, I'm pretending to be back. Now I'm Isaiah. I'm like, oh, yeah. shit. Yeah, it was very good. The, yeah. what, what I loved about it was as soon as they started their banter back and forth, it's in the nagging back of your mind in row H <laughs> yeah. that there's something amiss. And then it comes to forefront. It, yeah. it really was spectacular. It's a it's a wonderful way to write something where you knew what was going on when you finished the last episode, but now you kind of don't know what's going on, but back in row H, yeah. nothing good is happening. We very, continue very cool. to underestimate Izel. Yeah, oh, without and question. that is why she is kicking ass this season as the bad guy now. A direct Robbie Reyes tether. This is very interesting. We've talked about this a couple of times. We've even seen samples of not Phil Coulson going through some sort of transformation Mm -hmm. that looks suspiciously like Ghost Rider. What we have not been provided in our hand on a platter with the words Robbie Reyes is a tether to Robbie Reyes until right now. 
And so I'm really appreciative that we got that here. And again, it makes just all kinds of awesome tether for what I expect to see inside of not just season seven, but inside of that television series that we're going to get inside of Disney Plus for Ghost Rider. Actually, it's Hulu. Or Hulu, rather. Yeah. Oh, and I have a question. This is kind of a weird behind the scenes thing. I I always watch on Hulu Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm -hmm. As do I. And so I sat down... It's been probably the last three or four weeks that this has happened, but I, I haven't mentioned it mostly because we haven't gotten onto Hulu. But typically what I'll do is I'll sit down in either my theater or here at the studio and I'll sit down and I've got a fire stick. And so I'll literally just sit down and, and in the case of here inside of the studio, I'll say, computer, let's watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And it will go, I can get Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on your Amazon fire stick or via Hulu. Which would you like? Hmm. And I'll go Hulu and then I'll bloop, bloop, Pop open Hulu, and inevitably it will start playing the episode that I'm looking for, which right. is the most recent episode. Well, the last month or so, I've not been able to do that. And so I wonder if the tether slash relationship, whatever, between Amazon, in particular the Fire TV Stick, whatever that relationship is, and Hulu is now a dead issue. Hmm. Because I can get to every season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that is on Netflix via my fire stick. Right. But I am unable what I could see at all to access Hulu inside of my fire TV stick anymore. Hmm. See, I, I, I wouldn't know. I don't use a fire stick. I use a Roku mm. to access my streaming services. And I have absolutely no problems with yeah. Roku. Uh, and I'm, I'm super curious. It's actually where we ask you guys kind of a weird again, third party <laughs> outside the show tether blah. Anyway, let us know what you know about the relationship between Amazon and Hulu and whether or not something has died between the Hulu streaming relationship and Amazon. Go on over to our Facebook presence. That's facebook.com forward slash shield podcast. Put something into one of the threads that started there or start your own and tell us more about what you know about Hulu and Amazon's Fire Stick. Anyway, that's a, that's the tether to the Hulu Fire Stick streaming stuff. We started this point on a completely different point, which is Robbie Reyes, and that we're going to have a tether into the upcoming Hulu series that is the Ghost Rider stuff, I hope. Uh, yeah, the thing is, is that it's still the same actor. It's Gabriel Luna, mm-hmm. who actually is in the new Terminator, Terminator film. film. He is mm-hmm. the Terminator. So, I mean, you know, the step up in the big Both world of for him. Both of them. There's two Terminators. The new Terminator can apparently separate into more than one. Oh, well, yeah, he's the shell. Yeah. He's the shell. He's the skin or whatever you want to call it. Right. But from what I've read, even though it is the same actor Mm -hmm. playing the character. Right. And the show is going to be on Hulu. Mm -hmm. There doesn't seem to be any connection to his appearance in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Interesting. Now, Now, maybe that's because... Everything hasn't been revealed yet because that that show's not even supposed to debut until sometime next year. Mm. It also strikes me, I was listening to a previous episode of our podcast uh, from, I think, three or four weeks ago, and we got into talking about what is the Ghost Rider. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you were able to, I think, really give a good, succinct focus on what you know of it as as a solid comic book fan. Mm -hmm. 
perhaps this is going to be one of those very few times where they're actually able to paint a frame around what is the power of the Ghost Rider. Yeah. While we can say that it, it is the spirit of vengeance, yes, that works and makes cool tattoos and all kinds of imagery that skews towards the look. It's a skull with chains and a motorcycle and black leather, blah. Yeah. That all works great, but what is it? It's not just spirit energy and whatever we want. Right. That's what I've, I think I've really appreciated the most about what we're getting not just with Azel, not just with us talking about what's coming in regard to the, the uh, Ghost Rider show, but also what they're showcasing inside of Phil Coulson inside of this this particular episode. Yeah, in particular. yeah. And I love it all. I, I love that we're, we're giving a, a context to this unknown spirit energy thingness that is floating around quite literally. And I, I really, really like that because it, 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 it pokes at my science why does this work button right and i like that a lot not realizing what's behind sarge's facade this is very interesting we've just seen sarge put an incredible dent in an incredibly solid metal table right yet we're not locking him up <laughs> there's no restraints whatsoever on this guy not that it would matter at this point i guess well he's locked up in the room I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you that I've seen this show and I've watched shows where, hey, look, it's an incredibly powerful omnipresent being. Let's do nothing to try and contain them. Okay. And go. Well, sometimes the whole act of trying to contain them becomes obsolete because they are so powerful. So what's the point? The, the, The way that I look at it, it's it's very similar and I hate that I'm bringing up a DC property, but let's talk about Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. When Superman comes in and he's got the hand, he's allowed himself to be handcuffed, but then shows, well, look at this. Oh, yeah, they fall right off. And I'm not even really straining myself whatsoever. <laughs> right. You can't right. contain me. I, I was nice enough to allow think. you to, yeah. to think, think that you can contain me, but yeah. oh, look at that. Oh, oops, I broke your cuffs. Sorry. Yeah, uh, it's it's one of those it's see, one of those situations. It, that's where it works. It works totally there, though. It worked. It you and me remembering that moment inside of our conversation right now works for that. I worked for a gag, a sight gag for for anybody no, that's. But see, it's not a sight gag. Yeah, it's a piece. See, I, I disagree. It's an inserted piece of trust that Superman made a point to make. So that the peace of mind could be had by those that were trying to corral him. And within an instant, that all disappears. The trust doesn't disappear, but that he is he's still sedate after the cuff breaking. Instantly showcases to the people, look, I'm not your average Joe. And, and, uh-huh. I, and I appreciate that. The difference is that in this case, especially as the episode ebbs on, we have a dude that has absolutely no reverence at all for anybody that's around him. As much as we all want that to be Phil Coulson, it's not Phil Coulson. <laughs> and the faster that we realize that there is nothing but a big giant pile of energy building here, and that there's something amiss, the better off everybody's going to be. See, I think we're we you and I are now taking the stance of May and Daisy because it is Phil Coulson. We have established that that is a copy of Phil Coulson. 
the memories that he believes that, that you know, the, 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 the vague memories of Izell taking away his family are actually the memories of Phil Coulson loving the people around him. Yeah. So in my mind, one of the reasons why they're not locking him up, putting him in chains and making sure that he can't move and, and, and move around is because they don't think they need to. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. They do want to work for the same outcome. Mm -hmm. They want Izel gone. Bottom line is that there's all kinds of revelation that happens there. There's all kinds of contemplation that happens there. Why don't you there, go in there and put handcuffs on him, Mike? How about that? Why don't you go and do that? Especially after he's just put that giant do dent it. in that, that Right, that, but do, that do something right after you kill him again. We'll get to that. A nice cue from Yo-Yo to Benson. This is one of the most finessed things that very often I see people, I see television shows and movies stumble into falling forward on their face outright mm -hmm. because it's so blatant. And like, how could anybody not see that it's the Nick? Have you seen the wink, wink, giant facial expression move? The special paper other eyeball wink wink thing that's over there head nod head nod. That's usually how things like this are pulled off inside of television and movies, and that this is done so adeptly with Azel slash Mac not paying attention completely mm -hmm. is really really well done because this is another another shining sample of this could have been incredibly dumb, and it was not dumb. It was very very well put together. It's exactly like the Code Six. Yes. From uh, a few two, episodes the two, two, three. before. The 223. Two, three. Uh, two, right, yeah. yes. We're, we, we, we are currently 223. Oh, well, so are we. We're 223 two, as well. No. It's good to be 223, Nick. <laughs> Thanks so much. Appreciate that. And by the way, 223. 223. This one, though, is even more subtle because Izell inside Mac doesn't no have any kind of comprehension of who the hell Keller is. Mm -hmm. Which I really appreciate. Right. So, and the, and the fact that we've got Benson actually kind of keeping his cool about it, but not being spy, stealth-like. Yeah. Stealth yeah. yeah. Because he's a little flustered. He's like, oh, there's something wrong. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to try to keep my shit together. Yeah. He still holds it together, but he's not like Melinda May. Oh, okay, I get what you're trying to communicate. I can fabricate something else, too. I like the fact that we keep Benson's character ambiguous when it comes to all that spy craft because he hasn't been he hasn't he's, been into he's it. Not a master he's spy, dipped right. his toe into it. Yeah. But he's at least got some knowledge of some contextual pseudo not conversation that leans mm. into spycraft. I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate that. It's great writing. The meatiest kill on Agents of Shield ever. And when you say ever, I I, do. I have to agree. I almost have to agree because I'm trying to think back. I don't think I've ever seen something that graphic mm -hmm. on this show before. Yeah. Here, let me take my looks like a Rambo knife and shove it into a guy's neck. Yep, there it is. I'm talking meat. Like think of any meat sauce you've ever had at, a, at, a, at an Italian restaurant, and that is exactly what I'm referring to inside of this scene mm -hmm. where. Look, I've got a knife. 
watch me make it disappear, just like the Joker inside of the Dark Knight movie. I'll show you a magic trick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's exactly the same, except that it's Mac shoving this giant-ass knife into this nobody-now-dead guy's neck. Yeah. And it is meaty. It is easily the the meatiest kill inside of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. history. It's one of those times to where you, you actually want to think, could it have been done less graphic shown but still as graphic uh, let me explain uh, instead of actually having the camera in front of the poor red shirt that gets it and then showing you know fake knife inserted into neck and then the blood pooling out and the face of the actor in pain and distress well let's take the camera and put it behind him now now you're still seeing the knife go into the neck you're still seeing the body twitching. You're still seeing that stone face of Macazel. Mm-hmm. But now you're not seeing the look of terror and pain on the actor's face that's dying. Mm-hmm. You're not getting the red sauce pouring out of the wound. Mm-hmm. And I think that would still be just as impactful. Oh, yeah. But doing it this way is, again, hammering home stop underestimating your villain and consequences because she will there are consequences yeah. to not giving her what she wants yeah the uh, the other piece of it is and again just kudos sideways up and down all over the place for henry simmons inside of this scene because it's such a nothing burger until you put it on the back end of the meatiest kill in mm-hmm. agents of shield history where we see him realize that he's just shoved this 11 and a half inch knife through a dude's neck that was doing nothing but playing Galaga. <laughs> and it meant nothing to him. Well, him, her. Right. And I, I, again, that instantly, we, we just got done talking about how, hey, look, a knife going into a guy's neck. That's pretty pretty stark reality. The only thing more stark reality is realizing that your hand just put the knife through a dude's neck and it was none of your own doing. Yeah. And that that is showcased so wonderfully by Henry Simmons. Again, total stellar clap and a half for that because it totally pays off inside this scene. Why doesn't Sarge escape or do whatever he wants? I captured this point inside of our skeleton for this episode, and then I realized later on during the episode, it suddenly starts to become clear what's going on, or clearer Mm -hmm. as to what's going on. But it still is able to have this sense of ambiguity as the episode rolls to a close. As much as I wanted my lizard brain to take over here inside of the (laughs) writing of this point, I don't want my lizard brain to take over because I really do want to be impressed with whatever they're going to give us in between the two pieces of bread for this not Phil Coulson slash Sarge sandwich that is beginning to be cooked awesome. And now here comes the little... The little toothpick with the ribbons on the on the on the end of it, and now all that awaits is for some chips to be put on the plate in front of it, and then the plate pushed across us so that we may take a bite, which is coming in the next two episodes, guaranteed. Well, this is also this harkens back to an earlier point. Uh, again, he doesn't realize his power yet, mm-hmm. and neither do the agents. They they don't realize how powerful he is either. Mm-hmm. So he's just a dude in a room. So a dude in a room, even though you're Sarge, you're still not going to get very far, especially if the door is locked. Mm -hmm. We'll learn more about that later in the episode. But as 
things progress and he starts letting go of his denial mm -hmm. of what Izel said mm -hmm. to him in the previous episode, mm -hmm. then we start seeing an escalation. Talking Tech. Opening the black soccer ball. Ah, uh, yes, the gravitonium device. Oh, man. This is just stellar. Every time I think, man, how are we going to make the black soccer ball not look stupid? We don't have to bother with any of it looking stupid because it's so luscious and delicious. Yeah, yeah. Th this entire scene, every time they touch and interact with the black soccer ball, it's just excellent. I, I, I don't have any other words. I just wanted to make sure that it got mentioned at least once <laughs> inside this episode for Talking Tech because it really, every single time it's interacted with, it is a Talking Tech moment, and I just didn't want to use it three, four different times inside this episode. But it's it's totally worth our time mm -hmm. to talk about how spinning around an object with CGI graphics and, hey, by the way, it looks like a black soccer ball, that really sounds stupid. And none of this was stupid. I, again, I marvel, haha, <laughs> at all of the production design that's done on this show that instantly takes the storytelling to a completely different level, but very simply, there's not world-ending graphics. I, I was just watching, a, there's a YouTube channel that I follow, and it's essentially VFX artists that go back in and look at previous movies, both good and bad in regard to special effects, and tell you why the effects suck or don't suck. Or all right. we'll, we'll link off to it inside the show notes, and you all can go and really, it's, a, it's great content. For anyone that likes any kind of special effects in any movie, especially the bad ones, it's a, it's a great channel. Mm. Because in addition to not only noting that, oh my God, look at this mess. <laughs> not only does it, it showcase some of the bad stuff, it tells you why the stuff didn't work out and what might have worked better if they would have just insert solution. Right. And I love that. It's problem solving, but then they also jump into a lot of the stuff that is good. And one of the things that they mentioned inside of, uh, and they were totally right, by the way, uh, inside of the good special effects is the movie. The movie was terrible, but the graphics inside of it were stupendous and absolutely jaw-dropping. It was the movie 2012. It's a terrible no, movie. No, 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 that's... It's a terrible movie. It is what it is. It's a giant ass It's a disaster, disaster film. Right. And as long as your disasters look great... Which they do. It doesn't matter what the story yeah, really which is. Which they do. And the uh, most recent breakdown inside of this YouTube channel is about a piece of that movie. Right. And it's it's stupendous. The the engine that they talk about that rendered all the stuff inside of it. Right, yeah. It's wonderful. We'll link off to it inside the show notes. Anyway, that is my nod and a total congratulations again to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. tech staff for pulling off another talking tech moment inside this episode. That's where we ask you guys, what inside this episode, and dude, there are many. There are so many opportunities inside of this episode for talking tech. Let me know what you appreciated, or maybe didn't, inside this episode by going over to our website. That's agentsofshield.tv. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what you think. Letters from those who've gone before left unopened. This is a very special piece of this episode, mostly because sitting on my desk at my workplace is a letter from my dad hmm. that I've not yet opened. And I need to. <laughs> and I need to. 
and I'll drop a picture to Nick about that. A little emotional honesty. No murder. This is really good. There's a little piece inside of this little episode that refers to a little emotional honesty by Daisy. And it is a spectacular scene. Mm -hmm. There is even more Emmy Award winning acting going on inside of Daisy inside of this whole series. I don't know what, five or six different times. (laughs) And I don't know why she also is one that just gets kind of shat on. When everybody a, does award time comes Sadly. for this television show, because it, there are so many moments, and I, again, I realize that the little touching special moments that are literally opening the door to a little emotional honesty. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is happening inside of a freaking comic book show. Yeah, I think it's what I appreciate most about this episode is that you would think that this is just especially three episodes out of what is the penultimate season of the show. You think it would just be balls-to-the-walls action-punching violence and kerpow moments. Well, it's not. No, it's not. It's not. There's so much character building. There's so many contemplative beats inside of this episode alone that I am so appreciative of what the writers do inside of this show that the only time I'm more appreciative is when I'm going over it inside of the review with you inside Mm. of the show notes. Because there are. I, I didn't count them, but there are at least five very shut-up-and-think moments inside of this episode that, again, are inside of the, quote, freaking stupid comic book Friday Night Show. But then expand on that and think about how many different shut-up-and-think moments are spread out throughout a season. And yeah. now spread that out over six seasons. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of the things that and, and and I get into an argument with people who who believe that anything comic book or comic book based is just uh, frivolous entertainment. It can be. It it totally can be if the writing is subpar. What you really have to think about here, and it's it's for almost everything Marvel movie wise, it's for the majority of the comic book stuffs. If you have a writer who knows what they're doing, what you do is you focus on the human aspect of the superhuman world. Absolutely. And that's what we have here. Something that this episode hammers home beautifully is the fact that really this season has been about closure. May got closure. She was there when Coulson died. Mm -hmm. Now all of a sudden this guy pops up that has his face. So now she's got a whole bunch of other feelings ro- rolling around. Daisy has never gotten closure because she's never opened that letter. Right. She ran off. Mm-hmm. She wanted. She kept herself busy. And now she's faced with somebody that she knows is not the man that she loved mm-hmm. and that has died. Yeah. By the time we get to the climax of this episode where our agents and Sarge are concerned, we finally realize, oh... That's what the subtle subplot of this season has really been about. Because now you can go back and you can start this season again, and you look at this season again, and it's blatant. It's, it is it is right there. All you have to do is just look deep enough, and you'll find it. Yeah. yeah. There, there, there's so much nuance that's included inside of a, a writing that would include this context. And again, you don't really see it until you dig in deeper during something like, mm, I don't know, a detailed educational podcast every, every, after every single episode. <laughs> Here it is. 
Meeting Steven again. And for the first time. Yeah. Uh, this is incredibly touching. And again, it's another contemplative moment inside of an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. stupid comic book show on Friday night's show. Mm-hmm. And it is so warming. All of it. On every single level, from every single perspective, instantly touches you. This is the, it's the piece of emotionality that I think was missing inside of Endgame for when they were trying to showcase that one of the Russo brothers that was showcased inside of the the survivors meeting. Obviously, being able to see the dude that's dead instantly conveys something that wasn't inside of that scene. But this is incredibly heartwarming. What I love most also is that it is able to completely gloss over and not shove in your face any agenda of any kind whatsoever. Yeah. Which is exactly how storytelling of this type should be done. Mm -hmm. It should be done where it's presented and you get to take what you want from it as a viewer rather than it being shoved in your face and, oh, by the way, down your throat yeah, so that you will understand that I need this to be done because I'm pushing an agenda. You got none of that inside of this. No. Inside of this entire episode, nothing like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm so appreciative of it. And I love, the again, the nuance that is bothered to be taken inside of something like this so that it can be that heartwarming moment, which is the piece you're trying to pay off. Yeah. A lot of there, there's a, a a touch of psychology that goes along in this specific the, this scene because there'd be there would be some viewers that are sitting there upset by the end of this scene when Izel gets what she wants from Benson because quote unquote she has broken him mm-hmm. she has found the thing that will break him and has broken him uh, there's a lot of it that's like what are you doing no hold out don't tell her what she wants it's just a figment of your imagination. Some of those people either are denying they have human emotions mm-hmm. or have never lost somebody or maybe have never regretted to the point of constantly putting yourself in your own personal hell. Mm-hmm. This is character development in a scene that was maybe three minutes long. Maybe. We learn so much about not only Benson's past, but how he views himself through the creation of Steven. Mm. Mm. That it's like a gut punch, man. It is a gut punch. And by the end of it, you're like, yeah, I can understand why that broke him. I can understand why you're going you're gonna to give her what she wants. Yeah, that and why you would carry it. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's the other piece that I got from this, too. Show me what you are. All right. And I love this. I love this this confrontation between the not father and daughter moment. Mm-hmm. I, I love it all. I love every piece of it. I love the special effects that are used. I love the the nuance and the acting that's showcased. I love the the camera that follows not Phil Coulson as he begins to rage through this not quite transformation right it, it's so well done again it could be such a nothing burger to anybody just watching this show but as it's stacked on inside of the scenes and offerings inside of this show it is tremendous again it's developing the character of sarge to a totally different level uh, oh, yeah. yet again yet yeah. again yeah i mean this is the 11th episode and this is probably the third or fourth layer 
we have put on this character that just could have been, hey, I'm a doppelganger I'm and evil. I'm a badass. Yeah, I'm, put I'm put the Coulson yeah, give me give me the yeah. give me the you know little pencil mustache and <laughs> the, the sash, yeah. the goatee and the sash, <laughs> and I'm your mirror mirror evil <laughs> doppelganger. And it could have been as simple as that for that stupid Holy. comic booky Friday night show on ABC. Totally. <laughs> Done pretending that Coulson didn't die a year ago. This again gets back to the meat of what we were talking about previously, mm-hmm. which is not just the closure, but the acceptance yeah. of being able to understand what has happened mm-hmm. and how not accepting it is clearly impacting your decision-making abilities. And it's it's incredibly well taken. What I love too is that there had to be a had to be. There had to be a writer's room at some point where somebody is talking about these things. Yeah, yeah. And I love that. I love that it's not just a, how are we going to shove 43 minutes of content into this episode so we can get done and get a paycheck. Right. It's not. It is not. Have it we is. filled in all the check boxes that we need to to be able to get our paycheck now? Correct. It is not that. And I know and have participated in so many podcasts of shows mm-hmm. that that is it. I can tell. I can tell they want to get to the end of whatever the episode is so that they can go home and start contemplating for the next one as right. opposed to there being some sort of concept and meaning to when when you're done watching this show, there's a residual. Mm-hmm. And I don't get that from every show that I watch. I, I just, I don't. When you look at each individual episode, uh, and here's a nice exercise for any of our listeners who want to go back and do this, go back and rewatch any random episode whatsoever. We'll we'll stick with this one, but you can do this with any episode. Now, try to take something out of the episode. A scene between two characters having a conversation, an action scene, something like that. And if what you have taken out doesn't impact the flow of the narrative then it didn't need to be there at all. It's just it's just there to pad time. But if you what you have taken out totally derails what you're watching, then it's important. I got news for you. There's nothing that you can remove from this episode mm-hmm. that, that is just superficial. Everything matters. Yeah. And that's a hallmark of a great show. Yeah. It's also a piece of mechanics that needs to be thought way sooner than a lot of other television programs do. I hate picking on it, but it's so easy. (laughs) Hawaii Five-0. Original or the remake? Let's stick with the remake because I don't want to pick on the original because it is classic. It is. How dare us? The the revamp of it, you know, it's it's one drifting wave shot to another (laughs) Hawaiian vista to... Oh, look, a palm tree. To trees, yeah, and, and... it is. It, it is exactly what you're referring to, where can we take this long stretch of uh, following some sort of supercar across a highway into a building where our people are having a scene? Yes. <laughs> All we can go away. We can have our 18-minute episode if everything superfluous just disappeared. Right, right. And I'm so happy that this show is not that, and it has not been that for a long-ass time. Yeah. Building a happening in a future episode that should be epic. There's a couple of really, really 
great things that are going to be happening inside of the next two episodes, which are going to be stuffed together. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. According I, I, to uh, what a, we've read, yeah. I have a very succinct feeling that you and I are going to be very appreciative that it's all going to be shoved together as 84 minutes slash 86 minutes, whatever. True, but then that be. also means that we're going to get done faster, which is also which is sad. So a good news, bad news scenario. Yeah, but the bottom line is it's going to get delivered faster, so I'm fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's cool. And I again, I I love the questions that my own brain can ask as a reasonably creative person. None of which can be answered by anything that we're seeing. But every time I think of a new question, mm. I'm that much more elated that I can't wait to maybe see it. Right, right. So, again, there, are, there is a, a significant building of a happening inside of future episodes that are going to be epic. Yeah, as they should be. Oh, yeah. Daisy Caves to Colson. Interesting. Interesting. There's there's another regression that happens as this episode unfolds. And again, it's that teeter-totter of not quite being sure of what's going on here. What what power, what what being is being manifested here. Yeah. And it's incredibly well done. Because again, this could get terribly stupid. So let me get this straight. The guy's been killed twice, and he's coming back to life more powerful, but you still think that he's Phil Coulson somehow. Yes. Stupid. Except it's not. Mm. Because it's more contemplative. There's there there's a, a again, to go back to that layers thing, there's a series of layers that are that is happening here yeah. that you can't quite put your finger on, but when you start to even just scratch at the surface on it, it's fun to sit there and scratch at the surface right because underneath the surface you start to see that there are more and more different avenues of potential storytelling going on and i love that yeah just because we know phil colson died does not mean that we don't wish that phil colson was still here right and with Sarge, or, or happy that he is gone. Right. Right. That's exactly. The, that's the other piece I got from this. With the confirmation of Sarge being a creation from the third monolith of a version of Coulson, and and the science even where because it says you no know, no down to the DNA even though it's got some w- weird radiation stuff because he's traveled the universe. Mm-hmm. It's Phil Coulson. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, now knowing that there's more Phil Coulson deep down in there i'm not saying that i want to see sarge go away because he has been an interesting character but if this means i get some version of phil colson back again i'll take it if it's done well now if we get to through these next two episodes and sarge colson ends up sacrificing himself for the greater good and, and and then that's it and we say goodbye you know completely to the character i'm also fine with that if it's done well what it really all boils down to is how they write this show another grand sprawling theatrical set this scene where we start with mac and yo-yo strapped to a pillar inside of this sprawling, gorgeous theatrical set where down below you've got Azel and the black soccer ball waiting to mm. 
invite doom into the room. And that whole scene, it's the stuff I go, okay, let me draw something real quick. There it is. It is spectacular. It's incredibly inventive. It's incredibly evocative. I'm absolutely certain that the dual staircases leading around to where just so happens are our two pieces of sacrifice. I'm certain that that's not written for a reason. (laughs) (laughs) But, man, it's cool. The whole room is just freaking spectacular. And I can't wait to see what's going to develop inside of it inside of the last two episodes of our show. It's just awesome. It's it's just theatrical enough, as have been so many things Mm -hmm. inside of this show, that it totally fits the narrative of what we're looking at and what we're going to experience. The concept of resonating frequencies. Boy, just when you think it couldn't possibly go into another yet cool-ass direction. Uh, here we go into a cool-ass direction that has nothing to do with anything else that we've seen previously. Well, we're watching this entire episode and our three smartest individuals... <laughs> are idiots. Are, ...are coming up with nothing. And I'm like, it, okay, come on, guys. You can't... This is the bottom of the ninth. Yeah, oh, yeah. Bases are loaded. Time to step up. Yeah. And, and nobody, nothing, nobody's got anything. anything. And then all of a sudden... <laughs> This is awesome because previously, for those who've forgotten from watching the episode, it's where they start to devolve into like eating each other (laughs) (laughs) because they can't find a solution. All uh, Deke can do is just repeat (laughs) what everybody else is. Yeah, Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I thought too. Yeah, yeah, we came to that same conclusion. Yeah, (laughs) what are you even doing here? It it, it was great. It it was great. It's a it's an incredibly interesting direction that must go somewhere more interesting than Spider Man Three. Well, how did I get here? And who is that? That's Flint. How about that? Everybody remember Flint? Yeah. And so our future inhuman. Yeah. And so here he is. One of the only aspects of anything inhuman that I care to remember. <laughs> <laughs> that and Daisy. Period. Paragraph. Done. And it's great to see him. I just am super curious as to what they're going to be doing with what's going on here. And again, I, there's nothing historical to base crap on. Well, so I'm assuming it's all going to be good. Well, I'm, I'm wondering if because of the energies, all of the energies are intertwined. So creation, time and space. Is this a manifestation of Flint or has Flint from that alternate timeline future, that alternate future when crumbs of Earth did happen? And humanity was stuck in the lighthouse. Is that that Flint? Or is this a creation that has been cobbled from Yo-Yo and Mac's memories of Flint? I'm going to have to go with that. Well, because you you have to to remember. Soccer ball's in play. From last season, with Flint's abilities to manipulate rock, one would think that that would be the power that you would want to manipulate the monoliths. So if Izel wants the monoliths created and then manipulated, I, I, maybe this is the key. Flint is mm. the key. So I, I guess we'll just have to wait until the next the next episodes I'm, I'm, to I'm, find out what the answer is. But I'm very curious. I know we don't get Jocko as a new member, but if Flint gets to stick around, I mean, sure, we'll have two 
characters from the future now. You know, we've got Deacon now. It'll be Flint. But Flint has a unique... Flint's powered. Well, yeah. Flint has a unique power set that we don't see at all in the present day of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. universe. And it's tethered to the monoliths. Mm -hmm. So, again, I'm, I'm super curious to see what they're going to deliver. And knowing the quality that we, you and I have come to expect and then be surprised by because it's so kick-assery. Yeah. Chronica 3. A new line emerges, as do questions. Boy. You know, just when you thought it couldn't get more interesting to stack on more layers of what is going on exactly mm. here, let's reopen the next iteration and evolution of Chronica yeah. that we see in front of us, including what looks like a death shot to our girl as the episode closes. I remember when Fitz and Simmons joined Izel and said goodbye to Enoch, I figured we wouldn't see Enoch again until either the end of the season to propel us into these are going to be the events of season seven or not until season seven because we knew that that story wasn't over with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The fact that we return, we've returned to it so many times since their parting makes me think that somehow the ending of season six, our current storyline with Izel is going to intermingle with whatever the hell is happening here mm. with the mm. Chronicoms. Mm. Because now we have some sort of a uprising. The Hunter Chronicoms don't want to listen to the thinking Chronicoms, the planning Chronicoms, the ones who are in charge. It's like, no, we want to conquer. We want a new, not only do we want a new world, but we need to have at least two of them just in case. Because you got to have a backup. They're thinking it very logically because, you know, they are machines. Great. Uh, but what world are you going to try to conquer? And a part of me kind of thinks, hmm, Earth is right. For Earth is nice this yeah. time of year. Yeah, this is very interesting. And again, it's a if you thought that the Flint skew was something very skew from <laughs> what we're going from, this is another one that I I have to tell you I was done with. I'm like, okay, well, Chronica's kind of out the window, and let's see what happens with Coulson. Mm. And here it comes again. Yep. It's a giant, another giant wind-up to be thrown into the last 84 minutes of story development inside of this season of The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. And I can't wait. Yeah. My goodness, that sound. It's either time for the World Cup, or it's time to open up the Graviton device again, or it's time to push to break during The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, that's definitely it definitely the push to break during the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I, I don't know, Mike. I, I know it's not time for the World Cup, but I kind of feel like, holy crap. Who let that thing into the studio? We'll be right back! Make your podcast soar with the Editor Corps. The one question every podcaster needs to ask themselves is, why am I still editing my own podcast? We all know that editing your own podcast is the worst part of the podcast experience. Get the editing off your plate and reclaim more time to make more content with The Editor Corps. Affordable, talented, experienced podcast editors are ready to take your podcast literally to the next level to make it soar. Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com.
thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Everyone, welcome back to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming, this time Season 6, Episode 11, From the Ashes. Every time we come back from break, it's time to open up our S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers. Our S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers is where Nick and I find either an actor's portrayal, a storytelling element during this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., or something else that tripped our collective review night fantastic. Nick, what have you got? It was almost too hard to to, to choose. Dude. There is a lot of stuff in this Dude. episode. It was jam-packed. I think I'm going to have to go. Now, of course, you know, everybody knows that I have a pichon for <laughs> horror. So you I, would... I was just thinking to myself, you know what Nick's got? A picture. <laughs> uh, and so you would think that I would go for the horribly graphic death scene of red shirt number one. <laughs> but no, actually, I'm taking us all the way back to the beginning of the episode. Mm. My shield dossier is filled with Izel as Mac, mm. but not. Yeah, that was super good. That opening of the episode sets the tone for the whole thing. Yeah. Because you're you're thinking, oh, okay, so she's she's released Mac, she's wandering the ship doing her thing, I guess. Why would she leave these two left unattended? Yeah. And like you like we talked about during the talking point of this, it's it's in the back of your brain. You're you're wondering, something doesn't feel right. But it, it's nice that these two can have a moment to take a breath and communicate, and then there's that. Yeah. When oh man, shoe drops. Henry Simmons, a, a round like we said, round of applause. The big chocolate man can make us laugh, can make us cry, can make us think, but can also chill us to our bones. Yeah, and that's acting. That's chops right there. Acting chops right there. And that is my shield dossier. Yeah, that's a phenomenal one. Easily one of my favorite moments inside the episode. We talked about that inside the point. Uh, I think my shield dossier inside of this episode has got to be the striking of Daisy 
something we kind of glossed over inside of this episode is when the Sarge slash entity switch gets flipped inside of this episode. Yeah. There is a moment where Daisy is not just cast aside, but I dare say flicked. (laughs) She's flicked like a booger inside of this. (laughs) And it is tremendous. The, the scene that the, Again, I know nothing of stunt work except that I know that I would never be good at it because I would instantly get hurt no matter what I did. There's no question in my mind. The scene that is showcased here is spectacular. It's so fast, It's but it's so dimensional all at the same time, mm. too. It doesn't just feel like somebody got shoved into a wall or something stupid. Somebody gets flicked inside this episode, and it is really, it's really violent. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's so many moments like that inside this episode in general. Even when something is not meant to be entirely super dramatically violent, it is. Mm. It, it, it's probably four or five different scenes inside of this episode where you see that. Everything from the crushing, larynx, severing, <laughs> time to shove the 12-inch knife into an 8-inch place scene to everything else. And uh, again, it's amazing. This show just continues to blossom into different types of awesome throughout the entire run. That's where we ask you guys, what was inside your S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier for this episode? Let us know what you think by going over to our website, that's agentsofshield.tv. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what struck you inside your S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier. Ah, the rating for this episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. The scale works thusly. A 10 is on top of the heap. Yet another instance of liquefy mode, this time on not Phil Coulson's neck. (laughs) A one is on the bottom of the scale. A call from the casting director saying, you've been cast inside of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as redshirt number 11. Everything starts at a seven as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick, there are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? It just goes to show the quality of a show when the podcast that reviews said show can take the time and talk about story beats that aren't punching, kicking, explosions, or special effects Mm -hmm. from a comic book-based property. The fact that you and I spend so much time during these reviews talking about character development, story progression, and emotional beats that happen. I can't believe that this show doesn't get more attention than it does. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has a very loyal fan base. You and I are, are, are two of them. But damn it, man. This is a great show, mm-hmm. and it does not deserve the treatment that it's gotten since its beginning, mm-hmm. honestly. Mm-hmm. There's, I, I can't say anything else. This is a 10. This is, this is the 10 plus 10 plus 10. But, you know, I can't do that because the scale only goes to 10. I've broken the ceiling on the scale, but we're going to just keep it grounded here on Earth as a 10. I give it a 10, too. And that's where we ask you guys. Yeah, just straight to the point. Mike Wilkerson does not mince words. <laughs> He does not go on long diatribes right. about points at all. Guys, here's the, here's the gist, is that <laughs> I have reviewed enough television in my life now over the course of 14 years of podcasting right. to know that this is yet another show that we have latched onto since the beginning, and no less, mm-hmm. that has not only escalated in quality, 
This is one of those programs that in five years when I start watching episodes again, even say in the middle of this run of a show, mm -hmm. I'm going to find even more nuanced <laughs> skill that I hadn't seen before. Right. And where I wanted to go, I remember the word that I was thinking of when you were talking about your score inside of this episode. The word that we all should be thinking of, and I know that I am thinking of, is craft. Yeah. There is a craft that is going on here. This is not just a people show up from casting, the actors show up and put makeup on, the cameras capture some stuff, and then they all disappear until next week. That's not what happens with this show. Mm. The craft begins inside of a writing room. And the craft then continues on as the actors read the script. Right. And then the craft continues on as the sets are made and the gaffers and best boys and key grips all get together and make the places yeah. where things are filmed. Yeah. And then when the director shows up and they actually capture the craft that's being laid down by the actors. And then the craft that happens with the special effects that are added to help make the storytelling that's already on screen, that's already believable, that much more, even more acceptable. And the craft 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 and it just continues to pile on and it makes this wonderful thing that is a crafting moment. Mm -hmm. And it's spectacular. So again, I have to give it a 10. That's where we ask you guys, what did you rate this episode? Season 6, episode 11. From the Ashes, also known as a 10. <laughs> Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's agentsofshield.tv. Fill in the quick web form and tell us what did this episode score for you. Until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. We're thankful you were able to review this covert communication, reviewing the most recent episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the stories and soon-to-be legends on ABC. Be sure to tune in to our ongoing top-secret communication with agents all over the globe via our Facebook presence immediately. Facebook.com forward slash Shield Podcast to be the first to be made aware of Agents of Shield news, the arrival of our newest reviews, and more. The Agents of Shield Podcast, a super show for fans of superheroes. Uncover the mysteries, critical information, and reviews now by accessing agentsofshield.tv. That's agentsofshield.tv. End. This top secret two guys talking communication. The enemy of my enemy is my enemy. No. No. Yes. Well, no. that's Dick Tracy. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Well, first I wanted to say thank you for acknowledging an Academy Award winning film. Oh, I'm just going to take that out. Don't worry. <laughs> I, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm going to. Well, never I'm, mind. It's called editing. It's, 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 it's a wonder. <laughs> it's called editing. Just small scale. Perhaps you've heard of it. Nick, there's so much to talk about inside this episode. I have to tell you, it's time to go to the bathroom. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll, I'll sit here and amuse myself.